Well, when he lost the war, uh, France, England, the U.S., and Russia came in to divide the spoils. We wanted all of the nuclear scientists and the rocket scientists and all that. We didn't care about those crazy psychics. <laughs> well, Russia did. And so, so Russia took that at the end of World War II, and they started developing it. And by the 1960s, I mean, they were draining our classified information like crazy. world. This is Stuart Palm. It has been too long. It has been a year since the last episode. Life got crazy. Life got busy. And Trump is all we've been hearing about. I mean, there have been other things that have been going on in, in the last year. But man, has there been a lot of Trump. So uh, I think that's part of the reason, not the full reason, but part of the reason you haven't had an episode in a year. And uh, for those of you who are listening now, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening again. And hopefully we can be in uh, more often. I I am committed to that now. I uh, I have an office now, a studio outside of my home. I was, used to record from my home and I now have a space that's um, better set up and um, no distractions, except we might occasionally hear some, some uh, you know, people walking by or nearby construction or there seems to be a strange sound of water coming through the wall behind me. But aside from that, pretty good focus here. I can sit here and talk and um, not have to worry about, uh, you know, being distracted. So um, what's up with Trump? I was actually surprised. I am uh, impressed that he has been... Uh, I don't know the right word I was going to say. Um, uh, trudging along, I guess. Trudging along. Uh, being the president as long as he has. I thought he would be gone by now. I have a feeling that it won't be long. But uh, I have, I've been hoping that's my hopeful side. And I not this is not a place for political uh, uh, discussions. But, uh, you know, for the sake of the, um, uh, sanity, I hope that uh, we can have less Trump. But then again, if uh, if it's Pence, then I'm, you know, I'm worried about that too. I'm glad I'm living outside of the United States for the time being. But here's the thing, here's a positive thing that uh, Trump reflects. Uh, if you are a follower of the law of attraction, you will totally understand. And uh, if you are interested in learning more about the law of attraction, um, I recommend not so much studying the um, law of attraction, but looking up new thought. Now, that's a new thought is new, like the turn of the last century. But, uh, oh, I've got a message and the thing goes, bing, <laughs> there's a distraction that I need to turn off, but we will do that. Good. And um, uh, the idea is, is 
pretty simple, but but taking it on and um, practicing it, it takes a little work. Uh, the idea is to focus yourself on positive goals and, and to focus your life on achieving that goals and allowing um, the synchronicity of the universe to organize itself uh, around around what it um, what it is you want to bring to life. And you do that by constantly being mindful and aware and conscious of what you, the, your inner personal talk and what you want to have happen in your life. You don't focus on the uh, negative things. You don't focus on what you don't want, which is very hard. I mean, it's hard. Most people, when you ask them, hey, so what do you want for this? Whatever it is, say you're, you're working on a project or you, um, you know, you need to cast a movie, whatever it is, they can, they often can tell you, oh, I know what I don't want, but you don't want to know what they don't want. You don't want to know what they want. You don't go to a restaurant, look at the menu and start listing to the server all the things you don't want. You find the food you want to eat and you eat it. You order that. So the thing, uh, the thing with the uh, new thought is, is part of, of, of that is uh, organizing the, your mind around uh, being clear, being clear with your unconscious. And you know who's clear with his unconscious? Donald Trump. If you think about it, that man has been focused on his material wealth and his self-aggrandization. More so self-aggrandization than material wealth. The ability to express himself as a white, marble-columned, gold-leafed, glittery, successful emblem to blow that ego up as big as possible. And he is, he's achieved being the president with that. His qualifications for the job are negative. And yet here he is as our president. So the universe doesn't care if you're good enough for your job. The universe doesn't care if you're a good person. It doesn't care if you're a misogynist, a racist. If you focus your mind and you focus your intention correctly, good things will come. Now, of course, some of you will argue, of course, that uh, he did have a million dollars for his quote unquote small loan, uh, which gives him a significant advantage on life. But uh, reflect on the concept otherwise. Let's not talk about Trump anymore. Let's talk about Stranger Things. One of my favorite new shows over the last uh, year was Stranger Things. And uh, we, my wife and I watched the second season recently, and I'm not going to put any spoilers here, but uh, I will tell you this. There's a, a great character in there and a great... Um, cinema version of something that actually happened in the United States, in the CIA and uh, other military projects during the Cold War. And um, what that is, is that uh, the United States saw that the Russians had psychic spies. They had people who uh, had special powers and were able to move objects around uh, and supposedly um, see things without being there. And they wanted that too. So they started a remote viewing unit. They, they studied how people can use their minds in ways that we call paranormal. 
And there's a lot of debate on whether that's a real thing. And there's a lot of evidence, evidence, not Evans, a lot of evidence for it. um, And a lot of skeptics who fight that concept. But I like the mystery of it. And I like the fun of um, contemplating it and practicing it. And I have personally practiced remote viewing. I've learned controlled remote viewing from a student of Lynn Buchanan, who is my interviewee today. You can get information on um, the Stargate program and all of the psychic spying things online. You can just go to the CIA's website and you'll find the link. Uh, But if you want a particular website, it's cia.gov slash library slash reading room. If you go to cia.gov slash library slash reading room, you will find lots and lots and lots of information on studies that uh, and, and practice that the CIA did with remote viewing to find um, military bases that the Russians had back in the day and um, other amazing uh, things. You also find a lot of information on Uri Geller, who was studied by the CIA and as his, as in his report, worked for the U.S. government as a psychic spy of sorts. Now, hopefully someday I can get him on and uh, have a chat with him. Uh, I am uh, only like one degree away from connections from Uri, but I've not um, got a personal, you know, way. I don't have a personal way to contact him directly and ask, hey, man, you want to come on my show? But hopefully someday we can do that because I got I got questions. and I just like to talk to the guy. Um, So. Recently, they released more information um, on mysteries in the CIA and uh, about the JFK assassination. And they didn't release all of them. Originally, uh, Trump said he was going to have all those released. And then he said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll put a, a pause on some of that. We will, we'll release it soon. We're, we'll wait a few months. We'll release some of it, but not all of it. There's, let's redact some of that stuff. So there again, he is uh, not standing up to what he said he was going to do, which is just keeps happening over and over and over again, even for those people who uh, I don't understand. I don't, I don't want to get into it. Oh my God. <laughs> this is why I haven't been doing podcasts. Uh, okay. So, um, so yeah, they released some of that information and, and Uri Geller actually came out and said that he was involved in part of the thing in Mexico. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it's uh, interesting. Interesting that he's even involved in that, or at least involved himself, or at least that focused on his own publicity and uh, a success that he's able to jump on any, any sort of, uh, uh, media news to attach himself to it. Although, you know, from, from everything that I know, he seems like a good guy. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Today, we have an interview with Lynn Buchanan. Lynn Buchanan worked for the U.S. government uh, as a remote viewer. And then after he left um, that, after he um, was no longer an acting sergeant, he uh, focused on and started his own remote viewing company. I think he's, he's a teacher. Uh, Sergeant Lynn Buchanan. He does a thing called controlled remote viewing, and he'll explain exactly what that is in the interview. And uh, he worked with the with the I think the CIA, but definitely the U.S. government from 1984 to 1992. So that's a long period of time for them to be employing somebody 
for psychic work, for, for studying the, um, the unknown, simply by reaching out with his mind and projecting on an idea and reporting what he sees. It's pretty cool. Any way you look at it, that that exists is pretty cool. And that the U.S. government was funded for that long. For some people, that would be an atrocity and a waste of money. For me, it's fascinating and it supports that there's more going on in this universe than we understand and that there's something to be said for psychic communication. Without further ado, here's my interview with Lynn Buchanan. interesting if you look up remote viewing on wikipedia it very quickly turns to saying that it's a pseudoscience and disproven by this person and that person um yeah uh wikipedia has uh already taken off like 20 different uh things that were put up there about the military and about uh you know, what has been done and all that. I'm not sure who in Wikipedia is against this, but uh, anything derogatory to it, they they post and keep, and anything in favor huh. of it, they Somebody just delete. in their um, side is, is manipulating the truth. Uh, or, yeah, well, manipulating it or filtering it, I guess. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> or denying it. <laughs> right. I find that that um, disturbing. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is uh, uh, not known for being unbiased in right. a lot of things, you know, in many different fields. Well, the danger there is that it's widely accepted as the source of fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are a remote viewer. Yeah. And, 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 uh, Controlled remote viewing in particular is the yes. world that you exist in. Um, are you still practicing that like daily? Uh, yeah. Um, let me uh, interject a little thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the uh, CIA, you know, came public that uh, we had controlled remote viewers, um, the Washington Post came out with big splattered headline uh military uses psychic spies right and it went on basically to say that uh this was developed in the laboratory uh was shown to work and you know uh with the success rate and all that and because it said psychic uh they announced it you know to the word psychic all of a sudden we had uh psychics piling onto the bandwagon and uh, we had crystal ball remote viewers and tea leaf remote viewers and and all that kind of stuff and um, and that's not at all what the uh, what the military controlled remote viewing was what makes it not spike not not a psychic phenomenon 
well, there's probably what you would call psychic at the subconscious level. Your subconscious mind has access to um, uh, what scientists are now calling entanglement and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, the thing is that with psychics, they they try to get the information, you know, uh, through mental means. With controlled remote viewing, uh, you train just like a martial art. And you know how the kids in karate class go, ha and ha and, and all that. And uh, they do that until they just can't keep their conscious mind on it anymore. And all of a sudden their subconscious mind is doing the, um, the moves and the katas and all that. And in uh, controlled remote viewing, <clears throat> we do the same. We tell someone, um, draw the most minimal graphic representation you can of land. And they'll usually draw something like a straight line. And right. we say water, and they'll draw a wavy line, and we have other words, other basic words to start with. And then we drill people on these land, water, man-made, space, water, space, land-made, uh, land, man-made, and so on, and have them draw these until, just like in karate class, their conscious mind is off thinking about something else. And their subconscious is now moving the pen across the paper, uh, just like um, just like a martial arts move. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go on like this, and what we watch for is there are times when they will start drawing the uh, the graphic before you call the word. Right. And um, that's that's showing that their subconscious has learned a way to talk to you through the body. And uh, so then after that gets to be a, a standard pattern of, of behavior for you, uh, we take out an envelope that has a picture sealed inside of it. And uh, and we say, OK. There's a picture in here, and we're going to make this your remote viewing target. And this is target number one. And without giving them any other instructions, their hand will automatically make one of those graphics. And let's say it makes uh, land and water. Okay? Right. And uh, you open the envelope and look, and sure enough, inside is the beach. Um, and you've got the land and water and, you know, these are very simple things, very easy to explain away as chance and all, but you keep doing this and they keep getting it right to describe what's inside the envelope time after time. And, um, so then in the second stage of training, we say, okay, uh, tell me about the water. And what will happen is they will get a taste like salt in their mouth, okay? They'll say salty. And um, they'll get maybe a a color green or something like that, almost as a daydream. 
Well, what's happening there is their subconscious is telling their body to experience the water and the conscious mind just pays attention to the body. That's all. Right. It, it never really pays any attention to the target. It just, you know, oh, tell me about the water. Hmm. I taste something salty. I see something green. Uh, it's, uh, it's very cold and so on. And, um, you know, I feel cold or something like that. And, uh, the remote, the controlled remote viewer gets all of their information from their body. So it's very much a martial art. It's very much a physical uh, thing, very much a martial, you know, like any other martial art. Right. Um, to me, I, I, I don't draw much of a distinction between the two other than that there's a process that's different from what most people expect. Uh, to be that's, happening. That's here. basically it. The controlled remote viewing is a process. Uh, and, you know, where does the information come from that a psychic gets? And where does the information come from that a remote viewer gets, a controlled remote viewer? Probably the same place. Right. Um, but this is a structured method that you can teach to anyone. That was going to be my next question. Is, 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 is it a thing that you think anybody can do? Uh, but yeah. I imagine there's levels of ability within that. Uh, everybody seems to have their own strength and weakness. Uh, some person will get sounds better than anything else. Another person who's uh, maybe visually oriented will get colors and shapes right. and things like that better than anyone else. And so what we learned over the long period of time is that uh, a customer comes in and wants to know some certain information. You look in the database because you have databased the work of all the controlled remote viewers. And that's a very important distinction, too. You database every perception, whether it's right or wrong, what kind of category it is and all that. and. Um, and you look to see which viewer's strength is best at answering any certain question that the customer may have. Right. And so um, the police want to know the color of the Goodway car. You you don't get somebody who's good at sounds. <laughs> you, know, you look through the database. You find out who's best at giving you the correct color. And you task them with it. And... Um, so it's it's very much a uh, a methodology, and right. um, we we always um, tell people that um, controlled remote viewing is like the car that takes you on a vacation. <laughs> the car is not the vacation; <laughs> it's what gets you there. Right, and and um, and so the uh, you know. Uh, studying the studying and practicing the physical things that you have to do to do controlled remote viewing is much like the kids in karate class who learn one move after another, and then one day they put them into uh, into use to win a fight. Well, we teach the different 
controls, the different protocols, uh, everything to uh, the remote viewing students, controlled remote viewing students. And one day they put them together and they describe the location where the missing child is. Um, we, uh, we had one time when General Dozier was um, uh, abducted by the Red Guard back in, uh, in I think, the 60s um, in Italy. And uh, one of our remote viewers uh, not only found the building, um, well, he found the town that the um, building where the hostage was being held was. And one of the other remote viewers, I think, uh, found the, you know, who was good at dowsing, did the um, uh, his work and found the building within that town. And then one of our remote viewers sat down and actually um, drew the floor plans of the house of the building where the where General Dozier was held, so that the um, local militia could go in, could know how to go in and rescue the general without getting him killed. Wow, I, I get the the um, the side of of what that you described, where you make a squiggly line and you know how to interpret that as as yeah. water and man-made and, and so on, but getting specifics down to a floor plan, is that something he visualizes in his head or is that something that's done through that same process? It's d- basically done through the same process of putting a pen to paper and following the feeling of being up against a wall as your pen moves across the paper. Okay. And all of a sudden you run into a corner and you, you turn and mm. what you wind up with is... Um, but it's uh, it's the feeling, the physical feeling. Right. It, and it reminds me of what would be called automatic drawing and automatic writing. Uh, this is totally different, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, automatic writing. We had someone in the unit for a while who was an automatic writer. She's very good, by the way. Um, but that uh, one day she said, OK, I'm going to teach you automatic writing. And uh it was lunchtime and we went into the director's office and she handed me pen and paper and she said, OK, we've got a target now. Just let it happen. <laughs> and I said, OK, let what happened? She said, no, 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 you're fighting it. Just let it happen, you know. And finally, after a few minutes of that, I handed her the pen and I said, look, I'm going to lunch. If it happens while I'm gone, write it down for me, would you? And I left. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, with the controlled remote viewing, because we do teach you the moves and the tools to use, uh, many people think controlled remote viewing is where the remote viewer is controlled by protocols and all. Mm-hmm. It's not. We have protocols that allow the remote viewer to control the viewing, to turn it on and off, to look at one thing and then think, oh, yeah, I found something else on the other side of the room. I'm going to go over there and describe that thing. And you have complete control over what you're doing. Um, With natural psychics, one of their biggest complaints is that they're at its mercy. You know, they have no control over it, but we have absolute control over it. Right. 
That's great. Wait, I, I want to go back a bit to to how you got into this. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and you you were in the military, which I was just, in. Yeah. Was it the army or the where one were you in? Uh, it was the army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I I listened to you tell this story on another recording, um, <laughs> where you. you as a child discovered you had an ability, especially with electronics. Is that correct? Uh, no, with, uh, there, do you know what a poltergeist child is? Yes. Okay. Uh, a child that when they get upset or something like that, Stuff things moves. fly off of shelves and all. And, um, the ones who get the press or all the press coverage, you know, are the ones that are mentally unstable. But uh, the fact is that this happens to a lot of children who go through this stage and um, then then grow out of it. Yeah. And uh, I got that happened to me. I went through that stage and I got fascinated by it and by what could. So what what would would happen to you? Um, I could um, I could make things move. Um, I found one time that. I could make a rock go through a metal pie plate without leaving a hole. And uh, that was a trick that I, I showed and, and, you know, people thought it was a magic trick, but it wasn't, it was uh, what I was doing. And um, uh, my life parallels Charlie Brown's, you know, uh, there was this cute little redheaded girl <laughs> <laughs> And I was showing off for her and showed it to her. And so she was very impressed and went home and told her father, the Pentecostal minister, about it. And uh, the next day, I was headed home from school, and he and three of his deacons uh, met me on the sidewalk. They He introduced themselves, you know, and uh, they, they brought a pan and a at a rock of their own. And um, he said, well, can you show us the trick? I'm very interested in this. And he showed all kinds of interest and all that. So I did it for him. And immediately they slammed me down on the sidewalk. All of them put their head on my head, hands on my head. And they were pressing my, my face down into the sidewalk, screaming for the devil to come out of me and all this. And um, I was 12 years old. It scared me so badly, I actually peed my pants, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I I was raised in East Texas. If the preacher says it, then God said it. And I had never even had any consideration that this might be of the devil or a sin or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that was... That was when I started trying to set it aside and not do it anymore. Mm. But I had basically already learned too much. And um, um, I noticed that the rest of my life, I noticed that if I get really, really angry, uh, (laughs) things happen around me. And um, so it was uh, in about 19... uh, 79, 81, somewhere around there, that I was over in Augsburg, Germany, and uh, working on computer systems, intelligence computer systems um, programming. Right. 
And I had uh, written a program that would tie the com- the intelligence computers of 17 different countries together so they could talk to each other, pass intelligence information back and forth. And uh, this other sergeant wanted the job of doing the program, but I got it. And um, so anyway, the day came when I was going to show it off. We had the commanding generals of all 17 countries in the room. And uh, I did my little song and dance, you know, about the program and how what it was supposed to do and all. And then I hit the enter key to uh, to start the demonstration of it. And the computer went dead. And the generals were laughing and all this, you know. And uh, I turned around and this other sergeant was at the back door and he pointed at me and said, gotcha. And turned around and left. When he did, I got flaming angry. And uh, basically the whole field station went down. Uh, I found out later that uh, intelligence computers all up and down the uh, East German border went down. And um, uh, anyway... Uh, General Stubblebine, who is head of the um, Intelligence and Security Command, had someone there and had someone in the field station at the time, and he had stopped by just to sit in and see all these generals in one place. Right. And uh, he had been trained to pick up on these events uh, because General Stubblebine was very interested in this. And uh, so he reported me. Uh, General Stubblebine came out a couple of months later to the field station. And I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yes. There in in the movie, General Hapgood, I think it is, asks Lynn, did you kill my computers with your mind? And that's exactly what General Stubblebine asked me. And I said, Yes, sir, I did. I could just see myself paying for millions of dollars of computers. (laughs) And uh, this grin that was on Daryl Hapgood's face in the movie is exactly the same grin that came across General Stubblebine's face. And he said, far effing out if I ever got a job for you. And uh, (laughs) so he took me to Washington, D.C., He wanted to start a unit where we would uh, destroy enemy computer systems and uh, with a final goal, hopefully, of learning how to control, mentally control enemy computer systems so that if they fired a missile at us, we could make it go into the ocean or turn around and go back at them. Right. And... uh, And Congress had been caught in the 60s doing mind control experiments on the U.S. public. And they're still kind of smarting over that a little bit. And they said, no, that's smites of mind control and we won't fund it. And so there I was in Washington, D.C. with no assignment. And uh, General Stubblebine had nothing, no place to put me or anything. So he took me out to Fort Meade. And put me into the remote viewing unit. And um, what do they call it at that point? Uh, DT S at that point, nice. uh, which is just a designation. Um, 
the uh, project name at that point when I went into it was Project Centerlane. Uh, it went through several different project names. As soon as um, people started finding out about one of the project names and what was what we were doing, uh, they would close that project down. The next day, we would be in another project doing the same thing, and they'd hand us new stamps and you know new security stamps, and uh, and we just go right on, but under a new project name that nobody knew what it was. Right, and the uh, most most popular being the uh, Stargate. Stargate, yeah, uh-huh. and uh, so and Stargate is generally what people know it by now, right. mainly because of the name of the TV series, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But um, anyway, he put me there and Project Center Lane, Stargate, the remote viewing unit, we uh, we had absolute uh, threat on our future if we ever – uh, spied on U.S. citizens because the uh, the government was actually afraid of the fact that we could find any information at all, you know, and uh, had a high accuracy rate. Right. And, uh, you know, politicians do love their secrets. Exactly. And uh, so anyway, um, presidential order – it was originally 11905, and then it became superseded by 12333, um, forbade us from remote viewing U.S. citizens or spying on U.S. citizens in any way, uh, except for um, when we were ta- officially tasked by it, usually through Congress. And so... Um, you know, it's it's not just a saying. It would have taken an act of Congress for us to uh, spy on a U.S. citizen because if if we got caught doing that, I mean, it was uh, it was would have been very bad for our futures. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> personally, uh, but anyway, uh, he put me in the unit, and the unit is uh, the unit was. Uh, task with gaining information only. And we had a strict um, uh, edict to never do what was called active mental work, which means psychokinesis, uh, getting into people's minds and making them do things and, uh, and such as that. We were there to collect intelligence only. So it was exactly the opposite of what I knew how to do. <laughs> but um, but even still, I mean, it was so absolutely fascinating. They, they read me on, which is um, what they call when they tell you what a, a classified unit actually does for a living, and they make you sign your life away if you tell anybody, you know. Uh, and so they read me on, and the whole time they were reading me on, they were telling me that, you know, they did this kind of work, mental, mental access of foreign leaders and mental, um, mental access of, um, you know, um, 
foreign scientists who are developing things, military leaders and all this. And I sat there looking around for a camera. I thought for sure I was on candid camera and it was a big joke. <laughs> but then uh, over the next few days, I watched them do it. And I thought, holy, <laughs> whatever, you know, this is amazing stuff. And um, and so they um, they started teaching me and I started drawing those lines, man, just for for months, drawing those lines and having somebody sit there saying water, space, land, uh, man-made, you know, and uh, and just mentally phasing out and sort of starting to come back and pay attention again and look and hear my my subconscious mind had drawn just pages full of these squiggly lines. <laughs> and uh, and so the day came when they took out the envelope and they said, this is target number one. And my hand automatically made a wavy line. They opened the envelope and it was a picture of the open ocean. Nice. And by that time, there was no way I could really honestly deny what had happened. And all of a sudden, I realized, hey, I can do this. <laughs> and um, so anyway, there are that we were taught there were seven different stages or seven different levels of work. And um, over the next year, I trained through all of those seven stages and then got put to work. Uh, they said, okay, you're a remote viewer now. It's time to go to work, kid. And so um, I got to work spying, you know? Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, what did you do with the abilities? I mean, do you still have the ability whenever you get angry or, or, or the, that is that kind of been lost or where, where is that with you? No, it hasn't been lost. Uh, if I get angry, things still happen. I just, uh, long ago realized that, uh, you can laugh almost anything off. And, uh, I have spent my whole life trying to never get angry. Uh, uh, there have been times when, <laughs> when I got angry and, um, bad things happened, you know, yeah. sometimes good things happened, but, um, um, what about yeah, the I've thing spent, with the pa the rock and the pan? Um, I have, you know, I've never done that again. Right. I hadn't realized that, but I have never done that again. Do you remember what you were doing to do that? Uh, yeah. Uh, -huh. you know, I'm going to have to go try that now. <laughs> 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 so so is it a state of mind is it just sort of visualizing it is it projecting the concept before it happens or what, what do you remember doing uh, really you'd have to do it to understand uh right i don't think there's a way to explain it uh it took me from when i was 10 to when i was about 12 over a little bit over 12. So it took me a couple of years to learn how to do that. But this, uh, 
this fascinated me, this PK fascinated me so much that um, I just couldn't let it go. I, I, I was trying everything, seeing what worked, what didn't work and all that. Sure. And uh, uh, I think that may have been why the remote viewing fascinated me so much, too. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you discovered the PK ability? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and this is what uh, led to it. Uh, some other kids and I at school were throwing rocks up against this big, huge, thick metal plate that was leaning, leaning up against a wall. And the thing was like four feet square and probably an inch thick. And uh, And I had been sort of playing with this for a while but uh nothing really serious and i threw a rock and um we were we were seeing who could hit a bullseye on on that metal plate and i threw a rock and it hit the wall behind the plate and we all heard it (laughs) and we all ran up and and looked and the rock was on the ground between the plate and the wall and um I had had a, I guess you would call it a feeling or a knowledge that it was going to go through. And I knew it was going to go through. Mm-hmm. And it did. And uh, I guess you would have to say there's a certainty, a feeling of certainty. And, uh, and once that happened, that really set my interest. You know, how did this happen? How can I do this again? And so on. Sure. And um, and yeah, I, I couldn't let it go. It was just fascinating for me. Yeah, that's I. I'd love to see it. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> sounds great. So you you now um, run your own controlled remote viewing group team. Uh, uh, I did. Uh, my mother is now 99 and a half. And um, up until about six months ago, she's sharp as a tack and physically fine and all that. And suddenly she just sort of dropped over a cliff. And um, the, uh, you know, health wise and, right. and mentally. And um, now she's uh, she's totally bedridden. Uh, Dementia has set in pretty badly, um, and so she's requiring care every ten to fifteen minutes, twenty-four sure, hours a day. Sure. And uh, so, I just notified uh, those students of mine who have been taught to teach the courses, and I said to each one of them, "Hey, I'm going to set you up in business." take all of my literature, take all of my manuals and everything, start your business, put your name on my manuals, and uh, I'll help in any way I can. But I've had to quit teaching for for the present, you know. Well, that's understandable. I, yeah, I hope to pick it up again uh, uh, because I know that, you know, we see every day that this may not last very long. Right, which is which is a sad thing, but uh, but I will probably start teaching again. Yeah, and when you when you do um, use 
the process of controlled remote viewing outside of the military. What what are the things that you would do with it? Um, well, aside from teaching it, uh, we also have um, I also have um, customers, many of which are police departments looking for either missing persons or missing evidence. That makes sense. Um, and of course, evidence is usually the easiest to find because it doesn't move around and go places. But um, uh, we also work with some medical people and we're doing uh, uh, more research with them basically to, to establish a track record that this can be used in the medical field. Um, we've done a lot of... Um, uh, moon exploration, space exploration, and so on. And uh, that's turned out extremely well. Mm -hmm. um, we do, um, you know, I probably shouldn't say this. It may get me kicked out of some place, but to be honest about it, uh, Las Vegas is like a money store. I mean, you just, you just go there. <laughs> <laughs> And, and uh, we actually have a lot of students who um, who are gamblers. Right. Um, also, we have a lot of students. Probably the most successful are real estate people. Um, before taking the training, they will usually show ten houses and hope for a sale. Yeah. And um, after the training, quite often they show three houses and make a sale just as a regular regular track record of their normal day. And so to do something such as control remote view for gambling, are you targeting a specific location and time? Um, okay. For the gambling. Now each, each purpose requires different protocol. Uh, right. That you use different protocols. Um, this, this may be hard to explain, but, um, well, if it's boring, I just edit it out. So, <laughs> okay. Um, what we teach them to do is um, to move their minds mentally forward in time to the okay the to the moment where the ball on the roulette wheel drops into a slot, mm -hmm. and we move forward to the time. Uh, re controlled remote viewers work present time always, and so we move their mind to that moment and then we say okay your mind is now at that moment what are you seeing now and they say you know it's it's black <laughs> okay you you know where it's going to land you know uh, or they say it's black or you know or i see the number 16 or or whatever and you know where it's going to land. And, uh, and so you abandon your remote viewing session, you're back in present time and you make your bet. And it doesn't matter how far in advance or what time constraint there is to that. Oh, uh, it can be done, you know, uh, no gambling. You, you want to, yeah, the next roll of the roulette wheel or something like that, that's where you want to go. Mm. Um, a moon exploration company asked us one time how to um, uh, 
to provide them with a list of uh, materials and uh, plans for a temporary shelter on the moon for the crew who would be there building the permanent shelter. And so uh, we sort of cheated what we did. We told our team to move forward to the time when there was a temporary shelter there and describe it. They described it. And uh, we said, okay, here's the materials you're going to need to build this, and here's how it looks. And uh, and the um, the company was just ecstatic over it. Uh, and, uh, and, you know... Uh, they were extremely happy because what they what we found was you take some uh, reinforced uh, heavy plastic that's going to uh, be treated so it filters out radiation and all you know special mm-hmm. plastic and you stretch it over a small crater and seal no, no, the no, edges no. and seal the edges and um, and then you fill it with sixteen pounds of pressure which is what you have at sea level and half of what you put in a bicycle tire, you know, and, um, and you fill it with air on the inside, 16 pounds of pressure and you have your temporary shelter. Hmm. And if a, um, meteorite or you know, a small meteorite or something punches a hole in that plastic, take a bunch of duct tape, <laughs> get up there stick it over the hole and it seals it, you know, Mm-hmm. And of course, it wouldn't be rolls of duct tape it, because you know the plastic. But it wouldn't be like a glass dome that shatters or anything like that, or or even a wooden structure that would fall and and um, and anything like that. So um, they were ecstatic over the fact that they could take plastic sheeting and duct tape and build a temporary shelter. <laughs> I want to see that happen someday. That That's great. <laughs> yeah. This week's mystery of the week is actually the mystery of last week. And uh, I should stop calling it that considering that uh, the last mystery of the week was a year ago. But hey, we're going to go with what we can. Uh, from the National Geographic magazine, there was an article posted, The Mysterious Void Discovered in Egypt's Great Pyramid. So they discovered recently that inside the Great Pyramid of Egypt, a 4,500-year-old, we think, uh, structure, is a 153-foot by 26-foot tall corridor. They don't know what's inside, which is very cool. Now, uh, this brings up a lot of questions, so people are going to have their theories about what's there for a period of time. But... The Great Pyramid has long been um, in question as to what its purpose was. The general accepted idea is that it's a um, burial place for Khufu, K-H-U-F-U, the uh, pharaoh. But if you look at the arguments on that, they're not even sure exactly that Khufu was the one that uh, built the pyramid. They're not sure that it was actually built as a burial chamber. Most of the pharaohs who are buried are buried in a place called the Valley of the Kings. It's a valley with many uh, 
grave sites. And there are early pyramids that they know were built as grave sites for pharaohs. But the accepted idea that the Great Pyramid and the Pyramids of Giza are pyramids built to uh, glorify the particular pharaohs who they are um, attributed to is not uh, substantiated. It's not... um, uh, completely accepted within the community that studies pyramids because they never found a actual burial chamber that they know for sure is a burial chamber, which is an interesting mystery in its own. So it'll be cool to see if inside this uh, inner sanctum sanctuary of the uh, Great Pyramid is a uh, another burial chamber or if it has um, some sort of other function. There's a wonderful old... Um, idea, old idea, not really old, maybe. There's a wonderful idea that somehow the pyramids are um, static electricity generators or that the uh, quartz crystals that are used, that are in the granite rock are somehow uh, working with the structural shape of a pyramid to, uh, at the time, generate some sort of power for ancient Egypt, which is cool. And uh, I hope someday to see a uh, well-done sci-fi show that uses that premise. I, I bet there's one already that's probably not very well done. Um, <clears throat> but I, I believe that it's possible that energy can be generated or that power can be harnessed in ways that we've not yet discovered, in ways that do not involve uh, coal and do not involve uh, energy in the way that we have understood it. I mean, uh, there's got to be more to static than we give credit. There's got to be more to... Um, there's got to be things that we have not yet figured out uh, that might work in uh, less wasteful ways, less destructive ways than what we in our modern society and world have been working on. What do you think will be found inside the Great Pyramid of Khufu or Khufu? And how do you pronounce that correctly? Um, so you can write in the comments here or uh, elsewhere. There's a Facebook page for Mysterious World Podcast. Uh, there's uh, the comments page on the website, mysteriousworldpodcast.com. There is, uh, where else? That might be it. Uh, you, could, you could go to Blueberry, the, um, the podcast hosting site, and comment there. Maybe in the future there will be a place on iTunes. Maybe there is already, and I haven't realized it. I don't know. But I hope, uh, hope I, I look forward to finding more information. I think it's going to take a while because getting permits to go and look inside pyramids is not easy. And uh, the only reason they know that this space exists is because they recently um, found a new way to look inside solid space and, and see what's there. Uh, so... Technology has brought us to this recognition that there's a big room there inside the Great Pyramid, but we don't know what's inside yet, so um, I look forward to that. In other news, uh, there have been recent postings of a UFO outside California near a, uh, a base uh, that are, are cool. There's a photo of a, a UFO floating there, and next to it is a, a helicopter. If you say, if you if you Google right now UFO California, or you go on YouTube and push YouTube California, Push, uh, sorry, UFO California. Uh, you'll you'll see pictures of this thing, and it looks like uh, if you took two um, bowls from IKEA, glued them together, and sprayed them silver. I mean, it's your, your old concept of a uh, UFO, and you know, I like seeing this, <laughs> but uh, 
is they're very questionable photographs. You know, it's not like you look at that and go, yes, that's definitely real. Uh, but the report is also interesting because the report, instead of being overly mysterious, makes the hypothesis that the helicopter, this army helicopter that that's shown with it, might somehow be controlling the UFO, that it seemed like a test, that they were playing with it, um, so that it's not so much of an alien craft as it is something that the U.S. government created and is working with. Now, what are they doing, I wonder? I mean, if that's true, you know, what are they going to do with a UFO craft? Um, are they going to use it as their own craft and, and let that be known, or are they going to use it in some sort of fear tactic, uh, you know, drumming up more mysteries, I guess. Uh, the UFO history and, and, uh, idea fascinates me and I has since I was a child, um, based on just scientific, uh, evidence the fact that humans exist on this planet i do believe there are others out there do i believe they visited the, the earth before uh i i do and that is a you know based on my own feelings that's all that's based on and and the fact that there's a lot of uh, that that idea is in the zeitgeist i feel it's based on something not just based on fantasy that uh that we have been visited in some sense from someone who lives in another planet whose natural planet is somewhere else. I also kind of believe the, uh, that humans might have come to Earth from a planet and from our solar system that blew up and became the uh, asteroid belt, but that's a completely longer story to go into. And I'm not going to go into it right now, but if anybody knows more about that, uh, chime in and uh, tell me your thoughts. And now back to our interview with Lynn Buchanan. So back, going back to the history of the thing, um, my understanding is that the U.S. started programs such as the Stargate Project and the MK Ultra and the more psychic sides of, of what the CIA was studying because it was a reaction to knowledge that the Soviet Union was doing that. Uh, yeah. Now, the uh, remote viewing thing was never a part of the MK Ultra right. group of of secrets and all that um yeah back in the 60s they found that you know they were trying to find out why we were losing our classified information like it was just pouring through a hole you know and um uh, one of the uh scientists who was doing this for russia um uh came across, you know, or tried to come across, uh, the uh, KGB killed him before he could, but he got documents across to us. And, um, and that's where our intelligence people first learned about the psychic spying effort the Russians were doing. Mm -hmm. And they had a good laugh, but then they started reading the documents and they said, well, wait a minute, this is our classified information. And, uh, so they, formed a project, uh, just a temporary project, and had a um, natural psychic, very good one, uh, who was in the military, by the way, who uh, was tasked to describe our top, top, top secret military project at the time, which happened to be the M1 
Abram's tank. And um, he not only described it, um, but he drew a picture, he drew a sketch of the inside of the tank uh, with great detail. And um, the inside has a, uh, has a screen that looks out, you know, and he even drew what was going to be on the screen. And right. uh, with, with that, uh, they sent the black vans out and, you know, confiscated all of his papers and everything. And, and in case he was a spy and once they found out he wasn't, spying on the U.S. He was actually doing this work. Uh, they said, well, if it works like this, maybe we had better get into it. Right. And so that's when they that's when they started. Um, uh, that's when they started the project. Is there ever been a, a sharing between the former um, U.S. psychic programs and the Russian programs? Or is that all still tied up? Uh, I don't know. Uh, as far as there wasn't when I was in there. Right. Uh, whether there is now or not, I don't know with, you know, the detente and all. I mean, I've seen all the videos of um, Nina Kalagina, you know, the, the yeah. psychokinetic uh-huh. stuff. And, and I'm always, fa- you know, I'm fascinated. And then you hear, yeah. you I, you can look at those and, and be amazed or look at those and say, oh, well, there must be magnets or something. But uh, you know, I'd love uh, to. I love to talk to somebody who saw it, or you know. Well, I never saw Nina Kalagina, but uh, I have seen people who can do this type of work on command, right. and um, yeah, it's it's very possible. Uh, uh, the um, the thing is, Hitler actually started all this. Yeah, and um, Hitler had a project called. Um, Dr. Grunbaum, Grunbaum meaning green tree, which is the central emblem of the uh, Kabbalah, the Jewish Kabbalah, right. uh, Jewish mysticism. Um, he was heavily into mysticism, and he was also a person who thought he was very religious. And um, uh, he had read in the Bible that the reason... Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden was not original sin. It was, the Bible says, lest they also eat of the tree of life and live forever. And the Kabbalah has the green tree of life as its central emblem. Well, he had Dr. Grunbaum, which is a green tree. And uh, they were doing uh, not only propaganda work, but psychological operations and, and all that. And he was looking for the mysticism. Well, when he lost the war, uh, France, England, the U.S., and Russia came in to divide the spoils. We wanted all of the nuclear scientists and the rocket scientists and all that. We didn't care about those crazy psychics. (laughs) Well, Russia did. And so Russia took that at the end of World War II, and they started developing it. And by the 1960s, I mean, they were draining our classified information like crazy and uh, through the use of these people. And so that's that's why uh, our intelligence effort said, well, if they have it and it works, 
maybe we need to look into it. Yeah. That's very cool. How do you feel when you see um, remote viewing represented in Hollywood, Hollywood. and television and Hollywood. that kind of stuff? Oh, it's, it's sad. Uh, <laughs> Um, they were going to do a movie one time of, uh, of my story and, uh, uh, they brought a screenwriter and, uh, and I, I said, Hey, look, you get people in battle. Okay. Soldiers in battle and bullets are flying overhead and bombs are going off and everything. And they run through it and they do their job. But as they're running along, they step on something and they hear click. They know that the next step, they're going to lose their life or a leg or whatever. And that scares them more than all those bullets and bombs and everything else. And I said, as a screenwriter, most screenwriters have cars blowing up and all this other stuff. And, um, and I said, are you a good enough screenwriter to scare an audience with a click instead of an explosion. And uh, so he wrote up a screenplay full of explosions and cars exploding and all. <laughs> and um, the answer was, no, he wasn't. And so the, um, the people who were looking at it said, well, this is just another one of these, you know, and this has been done and it's not what they wanted. So they never made it. The same thing happened with Dave Morehouse, uh, who was another remote viewer in the unit. Uh, they were going to do a movie about him, and it wound up with Sly, Sly Stallone wading bare-chested through the swamps with a machine gun and both arms, and he was the remote viewer, Dave Morehouse, you know. Mm -hmm. And Dave just said, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and Dave said, you know, I don't want to be represented like that, you know, yeah. and I don't want remote viewing represented like that. Yeah. But um, and so that movie was never made either. The ones that I'm familiar with are, um, of course, the the men who stare at goats. Um, yeah. Which By is the way, I did kill the computers. It was another sergeant who killed the goat. <laughs> okay. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't kill the goat, um, but it did happen. Right. And then um, Zero Hour, which was all about a, oh, uh, yeah. it was a horror movie, but but yeah. it actually represented remote viewing in an interesting way. Well, it basically represented remote viewing as if you learn to remote view, you're going to go crazy and start killing people. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Hollywood for you. Oh yeah, that's Hollywood. Yeah, it would be interesting if somebody could do a um, sort of fair style uh, show on it. I think it would make a good story. Oh, it it actually would. Um, uh, I was taken out to Hollywood one time to the TV studios, and they were going to do a um, series, and they wanted uh, consultation on it. Sure. And they were wanting to do a lot of, you know, exploding cars and, and all that. And um, I said, look, why don't you get an investigator and let's make a scenario here. The investigator goes out uh, on a murder case 
And um, a remote viewer has said, okay, um, if you want to find the, the evidence, here's where you look and has drawn some arches with a straight line across the top, you know, some uh, overhead curves with a line across the top of them. Mm-hmm. And so as the, as the show goes on, they're showing the investigator and in the background is the overhead viaduct, which is the curves. And this would allow the viewer, not the remote viewer, but the viewer of the TV show to say, oh, I know what they need to do, you know, and would let the um, the entire TV show become interactive in that way where where you pick up on on these cues that a remote viewer would pick up on. And uh, they said that was too subtle. They didn't want it. So. (laughs) Well, that's, that's the way that world works. Oh yeah, I know. (laughs) Cool, man. Um, So do, do other remote viewers have like a, do you, do you meet up with anybody? Are you friends, people from when you were part of the program? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, this weekend, uh, in fact, this today at noon, um, the annual International Remote Viewers Association uh, conference ended. Uh, It was this weekend. And um, um, it's an it's an annual conference. And Almost all of the uh, military remote viewers go there. I wasn't able to go this time. I made my right. uh, I made my talk over Skype to the audience. But um, yeah, and this um, this year we had a contest. Uh, it was called the Psychic Spying Contest, <laughs> and uh, Joe McMonagle back in the very beginning had uh, been shown the roof of a building that was in Russia. And they said, we can't get ground agents in or anything is too protected. Can you tell us what's going on inside the building? Well, he told them everything that was going on inside the building and that um, they were building a huge submarine in there. And they said, no, it's nowhere near the water. And he said, "Okay." He did some more sessions and he said, at this time on this date, they're going to roll that submarine out and take it out to the take it out to the ocean, and uh, they actually diverted a spy in the sky satellite to be over it right at that time. And uh, sure enough, that's when they brought out the Boomer submarine, and the pictures taken by the satellite on that day were the only pictures we had of the Boomer submarine for like fifteen years. Right. And um, and so anyway, on the psychic spying contest, what we did, we um, we have a building here in town that um, used to be a sawmill and now is used for another purpose. And so I got on Google Earth, took a picture of the roof of the building, and that's what we used for a contest to see who could tell us what was going on inside the building. And um the winner of the contest was announced uh, was announced today, um, and uh, he had not only 
told what was going on in the building overall, but he also drew the floor plans of the building and told what was going on in each and every room of the building. And um, uh, he had a very high success rate on this and, uh, and won the contest. I'm proud to say he was one of my students. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you can do that kind of work. And, um, uh, you know, we always say that uh, we could read documents that are locked in the safe in, in some foreign country. That's a little bit deceptive. We can do that. We actually can. But we may have to do it letter by letter, and so it may take a team of remote viewers six months to read one page. Right. But at the end of that time, if you can't get a ground agent in there, uh, hey, maybe it was worth it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing to me with the Boomer Submarine story, story <clears throat> excuse me, with the Boomerang Submarine story and with other stories like that, that it's now presented as though they never had any evidence of anything working when there were obviously so many reports of things working so well. Oh yeah. Well, um, when, uh, uh, one of our viewers, um, got out and started, uh, blabbing about the existence of the unit when it was still classified and his, um, I, I called him down at one time and he said, Hey, if they prosecute me, they're only admitting that it worked, you know, that there was such a unit. And so, um, they didn't out and out prosecute him as such. The intelligence community doesn't really do that. They, uh, they get you (laughs) and, uh, they make you wish you had never, crossed him, you know, um, and, uh, they got him and another, um, another one of our viewers who was, uh, uh, complicit in, in part of that, who admitted to the public that it was true. And, um, anyway, uh, that, he was out blabbing about it and was on TV and several shows and all that. And so the intelligence community had to react in some way. And so they came out and they said, yeah, there was a unit and uh, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. They didn't mention that we were only funded one year at a time for 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And why would you put money back into something that doesn't work? That's right. And and, uh, every year we had to go before Congress and prove that we could do uh, this work and, and actually show our success rate and all that. And, um, but the CIA put out this, uh, this letter saying, yeah, there was such a unit, but it didn't work. And so we got rid of it. You know, the thing is (laughs) almost that same letter had happened several other times, seven other times. In fact, uh, when people learned about the unit and it was disbanded, Right, and, and then so, they start a new name, and they they start with a new name and all that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we don't know what the new name today would be. Well, what it would be, I don't know if there is one, because you know, when you retire, they quit telling you things. Right. Uh, Are they okay uh, with you? 
continuing the research and the using the process and I guess it's they have oh yeah they have declassified all of everything that happened before like I say I don't know if it's still going or not uh, I get asked a lot if you know if the government's still doing this or the military is still doing it and um, my standard answer is I don't know but I hope so. It would be stupid of the government not to do it. But then that raises the question, does our government ever do anything stupid? I didn't know the answer to that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you'd hope that they do, and but then they would need the best trainers. And so you wonder who, who do they have that they would use? Yeah. Great. I, well, I, I think time-wise, for for people listening, we we have gone over an hour, and uh, we would be trying on on going on any further. But I'm I love talking to you, man. Thank you so much for for being with me on uh, recording this. Yeah, well, I hope this helps. Uh, just um, as a as a final note, well, my website is crviewer.com, dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of information on it. And uh, if you go to the internet. And you look up remote viewers, you're going to get 90% of the information you get, at least somewhere around there, is going to be about psychics who are teaching psychic stuff as regular psychics and um, and calling it remote viewing. Right. If you look up controlled remote viewing, you'll find the uh, what the military did. Uh, what uh, what is still being taught of the military methodology and so on. And, and your so, your book is um, the uh, seventh sense. The seventh sense. One of the things we found out is that ambiance is actually the sixth sense, and is actually uh, mistaken for being psychic. But many psychics uh, read you; they don't read the ether. Mm-hmm. And um, ambiance is where you take 50 people and one at a time you put them into a, um, let's say, a cathedral and they all feel that ambiance, that hushed religious. And that also works when you walk into a room that's where somebody's angry and you feel that, you know, well, that's not psychic. That's just the ambiance around you. Right. The, um, Seventh sense is the psychic sense. Right. And and that's what we found over the years was that the psychic sense is actually the seventh sense. But most of what passes for psychic is people reading the room around them, you know. Would you call that intuition? Uh, actually, no, I wouldn't. I would call it your mind. Uh putting together uh, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, the textures, and your other senses to tell you, hey, you know, watch out. This room is hostile or, or hey, this is a good place or something like that. Yeah. And um, it's actually your mind putting together the other five senses to give you a feeling of ambiance. Right. Um, no, the psychic sense is... Um, very separate from that. But like I say, in controlled remote viewing, we use that psychic sense 
to give you the ambiance feelings, to give you the colors, the shapes, the tastes, the textures, and all that, to turn it into a physical response and to train you to read those physical responses to pick up information about a target. Yeah. Great. So to, to reiterate what you just said a minute ago, uh, your website is crviewer.com. Uh, do you have a, right. a social media presence or a Twitter or any of that you want to share? Uh, not really. No, um, I belong to almost all of the remote viewing Facebook pages. Uh, I don't participate a lot, but when some newbie comes in and asks a question, I will... Uh, put forth the controlled remote viewing answer. Right. And then, uh, of course, 50 other people put in, you know, a form a pyramid over your head and turn around three times in the moonlight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the problem with that world. And that's why it, it's like, it's never going to become a legitimate part of normal reality because people, there's too many people who are doing weird stuff. That oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That may or may not lead to something that is effective. Yeah, the fact is though that we have controlled remote viewers now, who are forming actual teams, and who are forming uh, companies, right? And are actually doing a lot of work for uh, researchers, for R and D, for police, for um, for businesses. But they're staying very quiet because, you know, anytime you go put out the real information on the net, you get you to get too many woo woo responses. Mm -hmm. And so we just don't put out the information. We um, we work for a police department. And if we do well, that police, which we usually do, that police department will refer us to another police department keep it internal we keep it internal yeah we don't we don't beat our chest we don't and in fact when we work for the police we tell them uh don't tell anyone that you got this you know we um we write our reports up on um on um uh eyewitness forms uh, anonymous eyewitness forms uh, because that would fly in court without a, you know, without a lawyer making ridicule of it. Yeah. And uh, and we tell them, hey, you got this from us. Um, we usually ask the police for either department baseball cap or coffee mug to keep as a souvenir, but we never charge the police for it. Um, you know, we just we like getting the bad guys off the street. We like bringing the kids home. Yeah, it's good to hear you're doing. You're using your powers for good. <laughs> well, uh, I think what goes around comes around. You know, of course. <laughs> yeah, I I belong to some uh, uh, one of those remote viewing groups uh, on on Facebook, and uh, and I've done a little bit of practice and and okay. learning on on the basics, and I've done the you know uh, land water yeah man made uh-huh. organic. I so I have that sort of second nature. My background is in fine art. Um, and I'm, I'm completely fascinated by the amount of hits that I keep getting. The most recent one, um, they'll, uh, Richard Wicks, who was my last guest, he put up a, Oh yeah. Uh, every once in a while, he'll put up a call for, 
you know, here's, he'll just give a number and say, this is our target. And the yeah. last, the last one, as I was doing the, I did this, the squiggly line and, and I read the squiggly line and I got that it was man-made and, um, and immediately at that moment, I got a picture of a car in my head. And then yeah. after the car, I got a picture in my head of like a lighter or something. And it turned out that the target was, a uh, a formula one race car and uh. that the, uh, and it was shell oil had sponsored it and I'd even drawn something that looked like a shell. And so I was taken aback at, yeah, the, you know, and I've had a few other ones that were pretty good as well. Yeah, you know, it really is amazing uh, when a person finds out that they have this ability that's been just hidden their entire life. And to some extent, every human seems to have this. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's a shock for most people. Yeah, I think it's good to tell people that this is not like a. It's not okay. So it. I always equate these kinds of things to a musician or an artist. Anybody can learn to draw and it's just some people yeah. are going to love it more and spend more time at it. And, and some people are going to get better at it or be better yeah. at, at different parts of it. And I think this falls in that line as well. It does. It really does. Yeah. Um, so great. Thank you very much for, for allowing me to interview you and uh, oh, well, thank you. chat for a while. I've enjoyed this really. All right. Well, I uh, have a wonderful evening, and uh, thanks you very much. Oh, thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you all for listening to this wonderful interview with Lynn Buchanan. I really enjoyed talking to him, and that was uh, a year ago. So I'm sure much has uh, changed in his life since then. I was really uh, conflicted when I first did this recording. Um, about personally, I was personally conflicted and I, and I've, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about all kinds of amazing things and I, I try not to judge and question. And, um, I just had a very skeptical personal response to his story about dropping rocks through metal tins. Um, and I'm inclined to accept his story that that happened. And, 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 Part of it is, is that I know that it's something so long ago in one's life, you can misremember and you could remember, oh, being, you can remember having a, you know, a strong um, ability. Uh, you can have a, you could have maybe learned a magic trick where you made it seem as though a rock went through a 10 and then misremembered and changed your memory to the future. I, I, I want to believe he did that. And, um, I think the better story is the story he told. The better story is the story that, um, it happened. Uh, the reality of it is something we, we may never know unless he's able to recreate the experience. Um, although remote viewing in itself, I do believe in, and I have experienced, uh, degrees of it and, and, um, been able to see things that are you know, I shouldn't be able to know about and communicate in ways that um, don't seem as though they should be humanly possible. I have had those experiences myself, so I understand that that is a reality. So uh, I look forward to your comments. Uh, you can comment in the mysteriousworldpodcast.com website. You can comment um, at the Mysterious World Podcast Facebook page. You can send me a message or Find me online most places at Stuart Palm, S-T-U-A-R-T-P-A-L-M. Uh, I'm going to have another interview 
with a, a man who's involved in psychical research that I've already got in the can uh, from the um, Psychic Entertainers Association convention that I went to in June. Um, so that you can look forward to in the next, you know, hopefully new and like the next week. Um, but as things have gone, there can be delays, but I'm committed to doing this more often, having this going now that I'm in an office of my own, um, without distractions, except right now you can hear the, the people in the Vespa shop talking in the street, uh, that's, uh, it's next door, um, because it's the end of the day. So, uh, enjoy, uh, the podcast you haven't listened to go back and listen to the old ones. If you've, uh, if you're new to the mysterious world podcast, thank you for coming. There is a donation button. Uh, if you'd like to support us, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much doing, uh, this show out of my office on my own for fun. Uh, so any help helps me have this going on, um, and hopefully revitalizing the releases of the podcast. Blessed be to you all, and thanks again for listening.